This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. Welcome back. Why, thank you. You're back. We're, back. We're glad to be back. Yeah, are well, you, I'm not. Are you, Doug? Yes. Yes, I am. I guess I'm not technically back. I'm still remote. And if you watch on our YouTube channel, you've probably seen that this is not my usual background. I like those so. colors behind you, though, Greg. They're. Yeah. The hotel yeah. artwork. I yeah. actually love that. Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm I'm in I'm I'm in Atlanta right now, and this is my second hotel. I've had a really weird hotel experiences. I don't normally have bad experiences with Marriott, but this one's been kind of a oh. a jolt. Um, in my my last one on Friday night, um, they knocked on my door the next morning just to ask what time I was checking out, and I'm not talking like at ten thirty or eleven or twelve. I'm talking like at eight thirty. Wanted to know, hey. Um, what time are you leaving today? Are you gone yet? Are you still are you, here? Are you, st- are you still did here? You feel, like, chop, chop. Like, did you feel welcome? I did not feel welcome. <laughs> it, it was weird because I, I um, one of my preferred places are like a lofts. And because um, I just like the vibe and they're not super large and complicated and things like that. But this one was really dated and like, you could see the water damage and Oof. it was not good. And then this one... They're, re- they're redoing this um, residence, and so there's a lot of construction going on around here. And yeah, it's kind of. Wow. And you I know, it's internet, like, internet this morning. Your yeah. podcast well, is clearly not paying you enough to be able to afford the good places. <laughs> I think that should be a complaint that we tell someone. Hmm. Who do we talk yeah, to about that? I was going to say, who do we call about that? I think what we could do is tell our listeners that they can buy our merchandise at we're not fine.com. So oh, that yeah, Greg right. can have a nice hotel experience. That's right. Without you know, the water cra- damage. Well, and the crazy thing about this is when you're away from home, you want comfort. You want to feel like the smells and the touch and the you know environment is nice. I do love that geometric coloring behind you. Um, You know, I was just in L.A. last weekend for my daughter's birthday weekend. And honestly, I walked into this place called One Hotel in West Hollywood, and I felt like I was at a resort in a different country. It was so outlandishly beautiful. The bedrooms were lovely. Um, Lots. It's kind of got this uh, earth theme to it. So there was wood everywhere. Like the, the reception desk were like really, really, really big trees with little cutouts for where you like sign things and whatnot. It was so stunning. I didn't want to leave. And the, you know, the, the, there were different layers of uh, different restaurants, et cetera. Um, had a really great experience. 
So what you're saying is that your experience is exactly the opposite of Greg's experience. It is. I felt welcome. I was never asked when I was leaving. In fact, I put that do not disturb. It didn't really say that. It said something else that was much more earthy and friendly. (laughs) Um, But I would get texts from the front desk like, if you if you change your mind and you want us to come in and change things, let us know. And I'm like, that's Aww, fantastic. That is so nice. Loved it. I would return in a minute. There you go. And pretty amazing drinks in the bar. I am so. counting down the minutes. We decided at the very last minute to head to Mexico for the boys' oh, it's great. Um, winter breaks. And I am counting down the seconds. Not that I'm not having the time of my life in my day-to-day life here, but it is sort of like dark and cold and, you know, the dead of the Minnesota winter where there's like five hours of gray sunlight and there's this like monochromatic, like there's like the white and then there's the gray and then there's the light gray and the dark gray. Well, kind I'm of kind like of your struck. outfit, Doug. I was just going to say, we all have gray and black on today. Oh, God. But I got to tell you something, God. Talia. As many people who look at my Instagram know, um, I have the opposite of seasonal affect to most people. Yeah. I yes. really love rainy, damp, wet, even this chill. Like, I walk outside in it, and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, my lungs feel really good wow. taking in this cold. If I didn't have it, and both of my kids have that experience as well. Of course, one wow, played hockey. We are so. made from very different materials. I mean, we are. Look, at, look at the bags under my eyes. That's Minnesota winter bags. I think I've threatened to take you to a, a wild game. You oh, will yeah. change your mind. You will crave about the winter? season. About winter? About the winter sport that you can enjoy. Yes, I would a, like I'll, to have a better attitude. I, I would love yeah. to get some help with my sour attitude. I'm here for your sour winter. sister. <gasps> SS. No, wait, that's like the the Nazis. Okay, never mind. Moving on. Moving on. Greg, oh, wow, I hear you yeah. have a mailbag. We're, defi- we're definitely moving on to the mailbag from there. <laughs> so, mail have... as in M A I L or M A L E. Which is it, Greg, today? It's both because it's Tim. Oh, Timothy. That's not really what I meant, and you know it. Bag. Yeah. Okay. So right, here's Tim. the here's the headline. My girlfriend of three plus years and I have still not had sex. Okay. Now, um, Tim is twenty one. His girlfriend is twenty, and they started dating their senior year of high school. He had just gotten out of a relationship with a girl that had a very high sex drive, and all of his girlfriends in the past have had high sex drives, but. He had ended them all before having um, sex because of a combination of not being ready and wanting his first time to be special. Okay. His current girlfriend is asexual and he swung the opposite way with it. In the beginning, they agreed that even kissing would probably not happen, but he was still there for her because he loved her. They kissed a few weeks later and almost went all the way one night a few months later. And they were still doing everything but sex pretty regularly, going on about six months. At that point, he decided that having sex was important to him in the relationship, and he communicated this to her with mixed results. The reason for the holdup is the fact that his girlfriend has religious trauma from growing up in a cult of Christianity. Now, let's just be clear. I don't know if he means that as a broad stroke 
cult of Christianity, or if he means that very specifically as there was a very Christian an cult, cult, an actual cult situation. But regardless, that there was a trauma of some sort that was there. She feels this sense of terror and impending doom around sex, oh. and he understands why, and it's why he's been doing everything that he can to help support her for the last three years. At the six-month mark, they were at the point where she was telling him that it would be any week. You know, she's almost feeling comfortable. She's not quite there yet. And there were several times that they got close, but when he would check in to see how she was really feeling, she would sort of back away, right? Um, and this continued until about the nine-month mark when she went on birth control, and this absolutely killed her sex drive to the point where she was not really comfortable about any kind of sexy time for months. If, if he didn't initiate, she was definitely not the one to even bother kissing or anything. Even when he would constantly initiate, it just didn't seem to really go anywhere. So this continued for over two years and he feels like they've gone backwards in progress. And now whenever he brings it up, it, the conversation usually quickly ends with no resolution and he's having to comfort her. He personally feels like she doesn't find him attractive anymore. It's gone to that point now. And um, over the two years of initiating and supporting, it's left him drained. He has a lot of negative emotions towards sex now, and he finds it difficult to feel even attractive himself, right? He feels like he's almost sexually assaulting her when he initiates personal contact. And whenever he's brought up these issues recently, she's broken down in tears and he ends up apologizing for even bringing it up. Tonight, they talked about getting engaged and they've talked many, many times about this, but tonight was the first time that he told her that he was waiting to propose until after they start having sex. That was a precondition. And now she thinks that he only wants sex and she started folding her own laundry on her own initiative, which, you know, he appreciates the small gestures that she does, but she's saying that she's kind of a wife on a girlfriend's salary. Oh. The breakup of expenses are about 90% him and 10% her. He does all the cleaning and half of the cooking. She does the laundry, but he honestly just feels very deflated right now. And losing this argument, which he claims this is, won't help the relationship. Um, typically, he tries to keep the peace in a relationship, but he feels like he's looking like an asshole right now and that he's been completely supportive of her over the years. She wants to get engaged before they move in together because she wants him to commit to her first. And, but yet she stays at his apartment five nights a week. So he's not sure what to do at this point. Your thoughts. Um, Doug, can I dive in or do you no, want to dive in? I'll have, I'll have plenty to say. Okay. So I have like a list of potential situations that are kind of, of interest and that I would want to talk about. One is I, I have a lot of questions about asexual, right? Like, what does that mean? I know that there are people who just feel like they want to have a loving relationship, but that sex really isn't that important to them. They don't find themselves attracted, drawn, like that magnetic pull sexually and they call themselves asexual, but this sounds like trauma. It doesn't necessarily sound like 
I have never been somebody to find myself wanting to be sexual with someone in any way. This doesn't sound like a situation that is neutral. It sounds like there's trauma and terror. That is not asexual. That's trauma. So I just wanted to say that. There's also like there's, so we're working with unresolved trauma. We don't know exactly the details. If it's like the cult, the religion, maybe there was like rape or assault or, or something horrifying. But then there's the, how can Tim even know if she's attracted or not attracted when there is terror and trauma around the idea of this like magnetic animal attraction towards one another. So if that doesn't feel good to her, I don't know, birth control, no birth control, acts of service, dishes, laundry. I don't know if any of it matters if we're dealing with a situation where your brain and your trauma is overriding this maybe more animal instinct which I would say a healthy sexual relationship, yes, there needs to be conversations about it, about like what feels good to you, enthusiastic consent, of course, like working with each other on what feels good, what could be better, move, like being open to feedback, all of that good stuff. But it just feels like this is so unresolved. There's been no trauma therapy, it sounds like, around this. So they are really stuck. And it sounds like they've done so much talking about it without having any sort of positive, loving, physical connection that now there's this really heavy awkwardness around everything sexual, which actually happens to a lot of couples where they build on these experiences of having it feel sort of like not that great to one of them or someone doesn't finish and then they don't talk about it. And then it's just the awkwardness that builds is really hard to backtrack from because a healthy sexual relationship is not filled with awkwardness, self-consciousness, trauma, fear of intimacy, right? And so it's like almost the more you talk about it, it's not what's helping it. So sex therapy or conversations about like, let's start over. Let's start from the very beginning. Let's pretend that we're like cute, awkward teenagers kissing for the very first time. Let's just see what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And when we hit a line that feels like it's bringing up terror, then we know we either need to stop and check in with each other, or I think that this unresolved trauma is going to pop its, like rear its ugly head in every single relationship that she ever has. They need to figure that out. Uh, I want to, I want to say many, many things, but um, the first is that I think in terms of asexuality, you know, you brought that up right away. Talia is kind of what, what is that? And 
what I, one of the things that I've noted over the course of time, you know, there are people who are just really unable to be honest about what their experience is and unable to kind of be upfront about what's going on for them. And that might be that, you know, in terms of sexuality, they're not interested in that person. That person might be the wrong gender. And based on her religion, she might feel like she has to be with a dude and maybe she's attracted to a woman. Um, I just think there's all kinds of different things that can go up. And so I would find myself wanting to really understand the nature of the asexuality. You know, as, as you said, Talia, it could be an, uh, entirely trauma related. Uh, it certainly could be. Um, but I also want to legitimize that, of course, asexuality and any other kind of sexuality exists. Some people are simply hornier than others. And I think whenever somebody comes in uh, to my office. Is that I, the technical? Is that, that is, like research based evidence? My graduate thesis was about some people are just hornier than others. I'm kidding. It wasn't. Oh, um, my God. I was like, what? I graduated with honors. I'm kidding. Oh, my so. God. No, it was a very different topic. Uh, so here, so I really just feel like that, that whole piece of like, what is asexuality? And I'll be honest, you know, I kind of go down that medical model for a second. Like, I want to make sure that she's okay. I want to make sure that her system is okay, that her blood levels are okay, that even the birth control possibly impacting your libido. Talk to your doctor, make sure that that medication is not interfering with your libido and your relationship as a result of that. But I want to go way, way, way back before that. I think I said that correctly. Um, so I want to go to history here. So there's her religious background, which, again, Greg, you brought up, you know, we don't know the extent of that. We don't know where that's at on that continuum. Is it really that she was in this conservative cult, no sex before marriage, which, by the way, is a very common uh, experience for people who grow up in certain religious denominations that are much more pervasive and, and populated. Um, but, you know, that message is harmful. We as a culture are very suppressed in terms of our sexuality and our sexual expression and what we're comfortable with. So I think there could be all kinds of gradiated levels of what that oppression is. But she has to work on that and really decide where she's at. And again, if someone decides I don't want to have sex before marriage because that's not what being, me and my religious beliefs, uh, are, you know, agree with, I, I think fine. You know, I, I think that's fine. People get to decide what they want to do and they get to make choices. Again, I want to re reiterate that we're choices. People get choices. We all get to do what we want Wait, to do. What? I didn't. I didn't. Choices. Hear you. Repeat yourself. The government should not get involved in any of our choices. That I don't hurt that. other people. So you get to decide what to do with that. And if you don't want to have sex before marriage, I don't give a shit. That's the agreement then that the two of you have. The problem is if that's not the agreement that both of you have, of course, we're going to, you know, down your throat on the, on the conversation about communication. But you, we're not talking enough about your history as well. Like you mm -hmm. come into this relationship and from 18, I think, to 21, mm -hmm. boy, you must be masturbating a lot because, boy, that is the height of a dude's sexuality in some ways and his libido and your your experience, though, in your previous relationship. What I remember the comment you made was that your previous girlfriend, I don't know if you use the word hypersexual. I don't even know what that means, but I got the sense that she was really aggressive in that regard. So what? That's great. Um, I'm going to be the first person to say <laughs> men and women, unbeknownst to Talia, do have the same uh, kind of drive and whatnot. But no, that is not <laughs> what I said. What I said was don't send a picture of your penis to a woman because I have a they feeling probably this... don't want it. Well, I have a feeling this high school girlfriend might have enjoyed that and it might have been part of their sexuality, but okay, maybe. So maybe you come right. at it, dude, you come at it, Tim, mailbag, Tim, from the perspective <laughs> of, you know, you had 
a previous relationship where that hypersexuality, it's almost, I kind of get curious about it. You didn't reference a lot about it, but did you feel objectified? Do you feel like sex changed your relationship? Do you feel like it changed your ability to connect as a couple on the other parts of the relationship that are important too? Because, Doug, you know, I don't just... think they ever had sex. Like he had a couple of girlfriends and he never had sex with them. Oh, and for some reason. There's... Okay. They never, because he didn't want to have sex. And then this third relationship, they're three years in, I believe, and they still haven't had sex, but her not wanting it has made him think that maybe he does want it. I somehow inferred that these previous relationships that wanted sex a lot, there was something, right? There was nothing. So so I have questions about that too. Nothing. Like, I don't know what his belief system is. I'm, I might be missing something. Maybe I misheard part of it. He ju- he just said that he wanted to wait until marriage, but then you know, three yeah. years. This is a lot. It has to have been the longest relationship he's ever had, except with his mother, right? Yep. I mean, was, <laughs> no, but seriously, like think about it. Like his mom is the is, like this is the longest one besides his mom, and and so you by now he's probably just super he's super. Ready ready and in to the point Talia, you brought in the fact that while these are younger kids this scenario this um situation is seen all the time with couples in various yeah places in life right yeah and so it's not uncommon that then it makes someone feel unloved unsexy not attractive you know etc i also think that doug you know, you talked about the Christian cult thing and how we don't know a lot about the situation. We also don't know if she's been going to therapy or talking to someone about this or not, which I don't think so. If if this is three years (laughs) on and she's not trying to deal with with it, (laughs) maybe she has a less able therapist. I mean, we don't know what the situation is, right? Maybe but don't blame saying, the patient, blame the therapist. I'm just You're saying right. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what's going on, right? So, so that, you know, that's you can't have have a one sided situation where one person's trying to make it work and the other person is clearly just folding laundry. <laughs> yeah, is, that metaf- I, is that a metaphor for something? No, I tuned that, the, out with like the laundry, laundry and the dishes and the division. I was like. Okay, well, this can't possibly be the problem. She's not the breadwinner. She's not bringing. She's not supporting a lot, and she's you know she does laundry, but they divide cooking, and then he does all the cleaning, and in addition to to to, to paying for things. So, you know, the, the division of effort here is woefully out of whack, and probably leading to his, you know, concerns about the situation. I also, in regards to her, I think it's it's very easy for people that live in more progressive environments or have more progressive friends. And I'm not, I'm saying progressive, I'm not saying liberal conservative or whatever. I'm just saying people that have a more open mind um, to understand what that cult of Christianity, and I'm using a broad stroke. I'm not talking about a specific cult and I'm not being, I'm not using that term negatively either. I'm talking about the, No, and listen, like I'm talking about I hear you. I hear you. Christian, Christian evangelists that push their agenda on everybody, regardless of respect towards other people's opinion, right? That That is somewhat cult-like. But most people don't understand is that it goes further than that. I went to college with a friend that was 
she had triple D breasts. I mean, she was that perfect goddess hourglass figure. She would have been, if she had she been blonde, she would have been a Barbie doll, right? And all of the football players, you know, at the bars and country Western dancing and stuff like that. I mean, she would just, she loved to dance with them. She loved to go out and, you know, have a good time. And then at the end of the night, she came over to me and said, Hey, this linebacker wants to take me home. Can you tell him I'm coming home with you? I'm like, mm, I'm not really good at that. How about we just duck out this back door real quick and we'll get out of here. You know, she, she was just very engaging with people to a naive level. Right. And sometimes that would get her in trouble to the point where, um, years later after college, she was raped, uh, on a date and her mom told her she had to marry that guy oh. that, that impregnated her from that rape or she was going to go to hell oh. and she married the guy. No. And they no. got divorced three years later and of they course. had two, two kids out of that relationship. But I'm just saying that people, most people that don't, they're not exposed to that level of, you know, Christian value system being developed. Don't understand what, how, how far it can go. And it, and it really can. And so, you know, I, so as I was taking in this story, some of this sort of resonated with me from, you know, the, my personal friend experience and what she went through, but also just how severe it is for, you know, and, and most people don't realize that there are situations that can get that, you know, nuts, get it, get that out of control. Um, I, I, and I think Greg, a lot of people, believe that that can happen because we've all heard of different, you know, cults, branch divinians to whoever else. I mean, we've all heard of these. We all know that, you know, there are lots of priests who have molested adult women and men, as well as children of both sexes. I think we all know that this exists. I think the big concern that we're talking about here is that on that much more culturally pervasive level, to turn our head to those things and not know right and wrong and not use our heads around how that must be for the victims of these abusive messages or behaviors is really just a big miss in our culture. Because I think at the end of the day, none of us would like to be raped as kids. None of us would like to be assaulted as adults. If you've ever been assaulted, you don't make light of that experience. Um, I have been assaulted myself sexually. It is not pleasant. As a male, I feel much more capable of taking care of myself. I've been drugged at a club in Brazil. I mean, oh you know, my it's, God. yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and yet at the same time, you know, we move on beyond those things, but they, they affect us. It is not okay to be violated. So as I take a look at this and I, you know, we're off track a little bit from the message here, but I wish for this girl to be very clear, like both of them, again, they get to decide what their beliefs are. And I would support them being that. I, I absolutely think everyone gets to have their own opinion on this. There isn't a right and wrong about that because it's really not hurting anybody to have these opinions. But he's not getting at this point what he needs from her for information about this. And now it's turning into this, you know, she feels like he's being uh, negative toward her and, and, and pressuring her and, and not being fair and whatnot. And so the prognosis for this relationship, frankly, is shit. It's not right. great. Like they've kind of hit this wall where both of them have different needs and they've stopped listening and there's some contempt and resentment building, which is right. going to be really damaging to this relationship. 
unless you both, and what I would encourage you to do, you know, uh, I, I think, Talia, you said, you know, there's a lot unresolved. I would say that it's not unresolvable, however. That's right. I think there's but absolutely it's a possibility. Dead end. It's a dead or not. end unless yeah. you guys get help. Well, help or you two find a way to communicate and back up. What I encourage you to do is back up a little bit, take a step back and really just reiterate, like, this is where I'm at. This is what this means to me. And dude, you get to say, I'm not comfortable moving forward in this relationship, which is very common, especially now, unless I know that we have some physical chemistry and unless I know that this is going to work. By the way, if she has trauma, if there are things that come up in this that you don't know, please be patient. Please listen. Please, please don't pressure this person to do things they don't want to do. Talia, you were saying? Yes, 100%. I mean, I couldn't agree more about like be a patient, loving support person for somebody who has had sexual trauma and assault and terror and all of the things. However, it has been three years And I would say that the only way to maintain generosity of spirit and patience in a relationship is if you see that the person is taking care of their own mental health and well-being because we're each responsible 100% for our own mental health and well-being. So you need to be taking care of you, Tim. And she needs to be figuring this out so that it's moving in a direction. And the direction might be a direction that is not conducive for a relationship. But if it's moving her closer to health and wellness and resolution for herself, then that is the only direction that it can be. But we won't know whether or not the two of you can work through this unless you're both working on your own individual selves. Yeah, you know, I I think because she's taken this turn toward being critical or negative towards you about what your needs and wants are, like that shouldn't be a part of this conversation. And it's going to lead down a really big path of disconnect. And I think, you know, again, I just want to also say, and I said this before, but sex is only one part of a relationship. The emotional chemistry between the two of you, again, the chemistry component of my four C's, if if you focus on both, you need both in order to survive. You need both at a high level and neither one is there right now. You know, I, I don't right. know what her sexuality really is. I don't know if, if she's asexual, asexual, by the way, and that's where it's concluded. You have to decide if you're willing to be in a relationship with someone who is not sexual. That's so right. really, there's a part of this where there's a lot of decision-making trees, but there's information that's missing. And there's something that tells me because of her anger or her resentment or her, you know, building animosity towards you for, you know, pressuring her, which again, I wouldn't pressure her. I would, I would try to understand her. And if through that understanding, like you said, Talia, if she does her growth, there's some possibility here. And she may find some things out about herself that are are critical. There's something that feels like it's missing. There feels like there's puzzle pieces. Like my instinct, as uh, Greg, you were reading this scenario, my instinct was there's something that I don't know. And I want to know more. I always think about like it's really hard to know if a couple is compatible or not 
if they are not doing their work to be the healthiest version of themselves. And so like, I'll have a lot of couples that I see where it feels like one of them is trying so hard to work towards growth and living their best life. And then the other person's circling the drain a little bit and really struggling and wondering like, how long do I have to put up with this? Is this what the rest of our lives are going to look like? Is this what our relationship looks like? I don't think I even like him or her anymore. Right. But, I don't know if that's fair. I feel like we need to address the mental health and wellness piece. Like what does she look like when she is her healthiest, best self? What does he look like when he's his healthiest, best self? And then we can talk about whether or not this can work. I I think you're, yeah, you're both right on that. And that um, there's just so much about her that's unknown. And even potentially to herself. I mean, right. if, oh, I think if primarily she, if, to herself. If, if she's been in such a state of suppression of, you know, forced belief system on her and maybe not understanding who she really is. I mean, maybe she's not straight. I mean, you know, you know, you don't, I know, totally we, thought that. Absolutely. We, we, we don't know these things that might come off as I want to wait, but magically, you know, she ends up with a right. girlfriend in 10 years, you know, you just don't know until someone starts to unpack and deal with that. So really appreciate um, both of those thoughts as well. So 10, good luck on that. Yes. That we're rooting for you're you. Able to we're rooting for both of needs. you. Yeah. yeah. Take care of yourself. Bye guys. Love it. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at renotfine.com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.